Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Hi, welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Um, today, I am absolutely honoured to have the one and only Dave Corbett on the uh, on the podcast, my first podcast guest. So, thank you very much for coming on, Dave. No worries at all. Uh, so, Dave works for the Primus Mortgage. Primus Mortgage Network and he specializes in helping brokers and protection specialists grow their businesses. So you'll see a lot of content from him on social about how we can help people. And if anyone is on LinkedIn, it's fair to say that Dave's biggest platform at the moment is LinkedIn and they're in the mortgage world. They'll definitely have seen him, seen him with his white beard across a, a few posts. And I think everybody will agree with me on this one. He's probably one of the most genuine guys on, on LinkedIn. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I'm excited to have a, have a little chat with you, Dave. Thank you. That was, nice. that was a nice, kind introduction. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's all true. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, my wife could listen to that. Be um, you can transfer me the money later. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to know? So I thought we'd just start off with you telling us a bit about you and how you or why you've got into the role that, that you're in at the moment. Yeah, no worries at all. So always been in the network world, really, um, apart from the odd foray to be a pretty average broker, and um, which has served me well for learning mm -hmm. what brokers have to go through the real day job. But um, kind of um, stumbled across Primus three years ago when I met um, the MD, uh, Rich Coulson, um, at uh, a train station at half seven in the morning, and we had a chat. And do you know what? I'd, I'd, I've never looked back since because he basically told me to join. Um, and so I did, and he's that kind of bloke. And right. yeah, I, you know, I, I never quite realised what, how businesses could run, how businesses could run well working yeah. from home. Really. Um, <laughs> until you've worked for someone like Primus, everyone is pushing in the right direction. It's just phenomenal to watch, and it's such a great. I mean, you've had experience of it. You'll know it's different. Yeah. It, you know. It's just such a. It seems such a positive environment to work in. Um, when you see people on social media and me talking to a lot of brokers, if they're with Primus, up until now, Touchwood, I've never had anybody that would mention a bad word. Mm. And I think the support that you provide as well to people is a big thing of that. Could, could you talk us through what you did during lockdown to help the brokers? Because I thought this was phenomenal. Yeah, so day one, we do a lot of training and it's opt-in or opt-out. So all the stick we get for being salesy and old school and all this nonsense. Look, if you want part of it, you can have it. If you don't want it, you don't need to have anything to do with it, but it's there for you. Mm -hmm. And there's no point in agreeing a ticket price. So here's your rates to come on board with a network and then just leave you to get on with it forever in a day because it just, it's always going to stale. You've got to keep on top of things and allow people to grow and be part of their business and help them grow and, and maximize the opportunity that's out there. So all of that training was going on anyway. At which point lockdown came and there was a lot of thousand yard stairs for a couple of days when we all went, wow, well, <laughs> what, what do about we do? our DNA <laughs> as a business? Yeah. What about our overseas conventions and what about the training and support and that camaraderie and community that you'll know all about mm -hmm. through brokers that you're dealing with? Um, so very quickly, we've got the best trainer in the industry, Dave Woodbridge, working for us. Um, and Woody's just brilliant at what he does and we wanted to kind of just translate what we did into um zoom sessions and we ran loads of them 
absolutely you were back to back weren't you oh back to back i mean we did the social media ones that you were on five days in a row we've saved all that now so it's all online and just an example of how that's worked it it made people people feel that we were still there and -hmm. still part of that community and how quickly we organized it showed how agile we were as a business yeah and we just went for it so when you're trying to organize something like a trust workshop so people are writing protection and need a trust workshop it can take an age to organize venue people provider everything rolled into one and it's expensive we've done half a dozen of them since then even though doing two a year before there's been massive advantages just having everything like this and look let's not beat around the bush it's so easy to ignore this technology um, mm-hmm. but it's been there for ages. It's just, we now know about it. And if lockdown hadn't happened, we wouldn't be doing this. So we've it, got to take those pluses. Definitely. And it was, I think that's probably testament to yourself that you looked at that lockdown as a positive thing where we can use this time. Everybody's at home. Well, why don't we train people? And I, as you said, there the probably were a few thousand yard stairs at the beginning because it was completely new. But once you grasp that concept to say we're all going to be at home for a couple of months, well, let's use those two months to, to feed knowledge and, and keep. And I think the main thing was you supporting the brokers. That was a big thing. And a lot of people love that. It's really important because obviously we, lockdown has been what, four months, whatever it's been from, from March to now, something like that. Yeah. Um, the start of lockdown is very different to now because now we've got Rishi Sunak giving us um, stamp duty. So all of our brokers, we've got a different problem because they're all snowed dealing with <laughs> lenders kind of um, SLAs and working through that client expectation. You know, as well as I do with what you do for a living, that world and how that's affecting brokers. Prior to Rishi saying, look, stamp duty till March. The issue was, how are we going to get people earning money? What are these guys going to do? You know, what's happening here? We, none of us knew. So for us, it was about upskilling reminding people of the opportunity within their existing client bank how introducers would be hurting and how to really get into their existing client banks and new that's what we worked on so all of the most of the training that we do here and support is around business opportunity and just giving those sales skills which is why we're called old school and you know old-fashioned sales and all this nonsense you know it's about making money and helping people grow as a business exactly um, you've got to be profitable super proud of it mate. i'm super yeah. proud of what we did you know and that leads me perfectly into the next question is what's the general consensus with brokers at the moment how are they feeling a lot of brokers will obviously listen to this so what what are they feeling what's it like out there uh, under pressure um creaking. you're gonna sing that one <laughs> <laughs> no, i was only gonna sing at the end but if you want to know. <laughs> Speaking of which, it's only the only Fools and Horses music that I really see. You know that. So, yeah. Um, or Papa Smurf. Anyway, um, so what was the question? I forgot. So uh, what's the kind of general consensus with brokers oh, at the yes, moment? So we're talking about lenders looking at an application after 28 days. We're talking about rates and getting up at 7.30 in the morning to book rates with HSBC mm. that you'll know about. That's their world. So they're managing client expectation they are creaking as brokers because there's opportunity. It's mortgage opportunity. They know even the most diehard protection is the devil broker. It knows the opportunity that was within their client bank with clients and the need there and their responsibility as a broker. Um, so it, it's difficult because look, they're so busy and we're still trying to influence them to make sure they're capitalizing on everything else. Um, yeah. But again, I'm really proud of them for what they're doing. Our mortgage numbers are through the roof. It's just through people, the roof. I know how people, they do it. 
been sat at home, um, people sat at home thinking, well, where can I save money? Or I need to think about the worst case scenario. If husband or wife did lose their job, what's going to happen with the mortgage? And I need, people don't need to speak. This is how I see it, not being a mortgage broker myself. People need to speak to an expert in that field. They don't need just to go to their bank and say, what can you do for me? They need to go and speak to John Smith that says, right, Santander are going to help you in this way. Halifax will do it that way. They need to speak to a professional. And I think mortgage brokers have really shown their worth in the last two, three months when it's been extremely busy. They're finding which lenders to put people with and, and finding solutions more than anything. Yeah. That's how I see it looking, looking from the outside. No, I think you're bang on. And you're also learning the flexibility within lenders, who steps up and who backs right. away, who the good BDMs are and who have a team of those. And I won't mention any names to embarrass the others, but there's a couple of shining examples of lenders that... who have sparkling BDMs across the board who are just uh, proactive and get stuck in. And as a broker, oh, it's so powerful to have that. Um, it's up to the, um, the network as well to fight brokers' corners, make sure that we're yeah. retaining rates and retaining relationships and working with through issues. And there's been quite a few from lender rates changing and various other things and all retrospective what, checks. And, what have you found that the main challenges for, for brokers are, say, today? What's the main thing that they're coming to you with issues? Because obviously you're there to support them. Yeah, so it's the change in criteria which has happened very, very quickly. And, and it's a bit of a shocker sometimes for that change of criteria and income multiple. So all of that. Um, but the main one is just the time it's taken to get these applications through. And look, um, these lenders have got head offices and they've got people and they need to look after their people. So I get it. And they can't run as efficiently from home as we can from home. Um, yeah. And so it's tricky for them. And I do get it from their perspective, but when client expectation hasn't changed and and obviously everyone seems to be wanting to move out to save stamp duty. Yep, yeah. So roll that all in, it all comes back to the broker and the broker has got to deal with that expectation and that workload. So it, it's just it's the perfect storm, you know, perfect shitty storm really. It's just not, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not you know And I think you know, a lot of people listen yeah, exactly. People listening to this that are mortgage brokers, you know what I mean, will be you'll be talking with talking about things that they'll be dealing with on a daily basis. But from somebody that's maybe looking to get into the, into the mortgage world, this is what it's all about. It's, I think I saw somebody mention it on LinkedIn that once you do your CMAP, you haven't even got half to becoming a mortgage broker. Your CMAP is the qualification so you can do it. But a mortgage broker, is, you need, it's a real skill. It's to manage people, manage expectations, deal yeah. with lenders, deal with solicitors. It's not just passing that exam. So if anybody yeah. is thinking about getting into that mortgage world, just realise that it's not just the exam you pass. It's it's yeah. been a been a person really, isn't it? It's been relatable to your client and helping them understand the process that happens with a mortgage. Totally. That's that's how I see it. No, you 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 bob on and um, find a mentor, find the best person right. you know and shadow them. That's the best way to learn. And even I was only a mortgage broker for a couple of years and. You know, I love seeing the clients and all that kind of stuff, and the, but the, I hated the paperwork. Did you? And the guy I was working with at the time said, look, you're good at 50% of the job here, Dave. You fit good at all of the client stuff and all of the relationship building. But once it gets to the nitty gritty of writing a 10-page suitability report, um, hours <laughs> aren't that long, by um, Doing that, he says, you, you want to move on and see the next client, but you've got to get better at that. 
And I knew that was the case. And that's why I knew it wasn't for me. Because I, I could have seen five clients a day. But it's playing to your strengths, isn't it? And this is why a lot of mortgage brokers at the moment are taking admin staff on because yeah. I think they've realized I actually like sitting down and, and speaking to somebody either over zoom on the phone or face to face. I don't like the paperwork side of it. So if I can outsource that paperwork, I can yeah. do the thing that I enjoy and what they're, what they're um, very good at as well. You know, it's the same with us in, in, in the network, you know, we've got to be what we're good at and we've got to utilize our skills. Cause all of my regional sales director colleagues of which there's, however many nine of them and they're mm. all brilliant they're so experienced in their fields all very different personalities believe me and their christmas day is a one-off but, um, <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> um but look we're all very different but we we need to focus on what we're good at because you know we're not cheap and you know we want to go out there and, and do our best so we yeah. want to build relationships with new brokers coming in and manage our firms you know we don't want to be stuck doing spreadsheets and stuff because that's not you know what we're paid to do yeah and so we need to outsource to brilliant people in our network who can support us um and we've got a few of those we're lucky to have them and the same with mortgage work and that's it's funny you say playing to your strengths it leads me perfectly onto it that a mortgage broker has to be especially when you're starting out you can't afford to hire everybody you have to do everything so social media obviously the big thing that i love talking about yeah. is a mortgage broker needs to be able to use social media so what does good look like when it comes to social media for a mortgage broker, Dave? Okay, so good looks like safety in the first instance in mortgage world, because you've got to make sure you're not putting the, the wrong things out there that's going to get you in stuck. So two for one on mortgages and that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, once you've got that buttoned off and you're right with the right network, which is Primus, because we have a process where you know we can get you up and running and sign you off and do retrospective checks once you know the rules. The next stage is to work out very quickly that actually what you need to do here is if you're putting risk warnings on um, posts because you have to, they're probably not right, right kind of posts to put on social media because mm -hmm. you've read it wrong. The third thing for me is don't be scared of it. Um, I always say if you're on LinkedIn, you've zoned into LinkedIn world. If you're on Zoom, uh, Zoom uh, Instagram, you're in Instagram world. And if you're on Facebook, you're in that world. You're, you're, you've already said once you open the app, I want to engage with LinkedIn, so speak to me in LinkedIn content. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about putting too much content out there. You know, I just don't, I don't think that, um, and, and you know, it's, we could argue about all that day because some people say one a day and one a week or whatever. I don't think you can put too much content out as long as it's not repetitive. Yeah. Um, and then it's just a case of the last one, which is so important is be yourself. And so oh, the reason we get on Chris is we've never been any different with each other. And, you know, yeah. if I phoned you up and said, mate, I don't think that's very good. Or you said, Dave, we're not pitching this right. We could have that conversation. You've mm. got to be yourself because if you're not, you will get found out because this is a long game, you know? And the final, final one is just, it's a long game. Outsource, get someone professional to do it and let them run with it for 18 months, two years, and then have a look at what percentage of your business you're getting from social media. Yeah, and I'll, I <clears throat> guarantee <clears throat> won't guarantee, but there's a very good chance <laughs> that at the end of that period, it's 25 percent of the the new revenue that's coming into your business. I think huge, and that's why I've I've worked with um, a few brokers. One of them being Kate McTurnan at Redditch Mortgage Advice, and it was funny. We it's actually coming up to 18 months now. We started yeah. Feb um, last year, and we've well we've seen it's 250 percent increase in the followers of the page that's 18 months and 358 percent in interaction of posts 
and that doesn't happen overnight. So you've got to make sure a few things that Dave spoke about there is consistency. I always say at least three times a week, if you can on your social media channels, just to keep your page updated and your personality. The worst thing that can happen is we're speaking in a certain language and a certain voice on social media. And then when they come to an appointment, it's like they're meeting a different person. Well, no, you want everything to be in tune. You want the voice to be the same, the type of images that you upload. Are you professional? Are you corporate? Are you more personal? And those are the type of things that you need to think about when you do start out in social media. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to my next question perfectly is to say, when do you think that brokers should be using social media? Uh, 18 months before you're asking where the business is coming from. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. No, just yeah. go back to our last point. If April time is going to be very different to March time this year, because we will no longer be in stamp duty world. So we are back to a new normal ish with 3 million unemployed. It is going to be a tough year next year mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. So any broker now that's absolutely, and this is my frustration, absolutely stacked out, that isn't doing all the protection they should be, isn't doing all the wills and trust works getting left and whatever else is happening in the industry per se, they're not, you know, I'm not letting them get away with it. But, you know, it, you've got to look now at what's going to be in, out there in 18 months' time and it's too late to start it then. You've got to do it now. Pay a couple of hundred quid a month and get someone like Chris to do your social media for you behind the scenes. Chris will work out, Fulcrum Financial is the best example. I mean, I know um, him very, very well and been up to see him in York and whatever else. And he's just the loveliest fellow and his wife. And, and you Yeah, know, Roger and Julie. Well, totally. You know, and I get such um, an understanding of their business through what you've done for their social media. I get them. I get his warped sense of humour. I get yep. his, all that. I get it because of the stuff that he does. And, and another example I give is the day that stamp duty... Um, went the number of posts that were out there to say stamp duty is whatever you know mm. in various forms all on one canva print you know yeah. in a different color there was hundreds and hundreds and the only one i really probably noticed that day because i took a note of it was a firm who who weren't actually primus who had put on there what's your favorite chocolate bar from the 1980s and that's all <laughs> they'd put but i was so bored with all the other same posts um nutty bar by the way um, <laughs> the, it was the one that I noticed, you know, it's the yep. one that I thought, yeah, that resonated with me because it was different and it just wasn't the same as all the other crap from that day. You know, this is what I speak to brokers a lot. I have, um, I have a diary that gives me really random awareness days. Like mm-hmm. Saturday this week is national, uh, sorry, international taught like a pirate day. Like, okay. I don't know how people come up with these ideas, but so what I do is I say to brokers, we can use these days just to break up the business content. So the two best posts for engagement on people's pages was National Chocolate Bar Day, exactly what you said. And it was put in the comments what your favorite chocolate bar is. And I ran that for a lot of mortgage brokers up and down the country and some estate agents. And they got loads. And then the second one was World Gin Day. What's your top gin? Or if you don't like gin and people are in there, I I don't drink gin or I drink rhubarb gin. And it was great because it's an icebreaker. And this world gin day, and if people have listened to me on podcasts before, I use this as an example, because with that world gin day, if somebody had commented on there saying my favorite gin is Hendrix gin and tonic as the owner of the Facebook page, you could reply to that comment and go, Oh, I like Hendrix gin, but I love it with a Mediterranean tonic. 
Yeah. Well, when they walk into that appointment, they could turn around and go, did you have your gin and tonic last night? Yeah. The ice has been broken. Do you know, they've already bought into you as a person. That's, no, you've done the hard bit then. Yeah, you've got it. It's the same with me with this stupid face of mine because you're sitting there. And, <laughs> this you is know, your it, brand, isn't it? Well, do you know what? I mean, it's a very, um, there's not a lot I can, my, my mate used to say to me, Dave, you look very unusual. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> the reason I have the beard is because without me, I look like a giant man baby. So I've had to go in the beard. Um, but yeah, look, people, I remember walking through, it sounds a bit dodgy, but walking through a car park, it was at the head office car park, and a guy, it was the chap from Fulcrum, Tom. It works oh, yeah, thing. Tom, yeah. And he walked past me, all right, Dave? And I was like, all right, mate. Have <laughs> we met well, before? Yeah. Yeah. And he went, yeah, you're Dave, the chap from Primus, your social media stuff. And I was like, yeah, of course I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah he like, knows you, yeah. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't stupid. It did feel daft. It's just because I built it up over a long period of time, and I'm really proud of that because people do feel a little bit disarmed by my little bit daft social media presence because it's a little bit less corporate and a bit more, you know, and it's not going to be for everybody, and that's no. never going to be the case. I'm, you know, I speak to people every week that don't like me, and that's fine. I get it. Not going to be everyone's cup I, of tea. I, I oh, yeah. like and the, the one, I think the, actually, I know exactly the time that we started speaking, you'd uploaded a video on LinkedIn, and yeah. it was like an outtakes one, and you started yeah. saying something, I think it was three Fs in in succession and you were like that just sounds yeah. stupid didn't it and started laughing <laughs> and i was like that's it that's the laugh that's the famous <laughs> laugh that is and then we connected and got started chatting but that is it's a signature of you isn't it and what it tips could you give brokers that are listening to this what tips could you give them to, to build their personal brand because obviously you've done it quite successfully yeah well don't let anyone decide what your brand is going to be because they're all very very different i mean you look at the bespokes of this world which is uh, a cult in all the best way of about it you know it's a yeah. real so passionate and they believe so much in what they want to do and it's amazing and they get all the results from that and then you'll have a more steady firm and I won't give any examples but that are just more a little bit softer and just maybe in a different market and they just put stuff out that's a bit more um accountancy practice based and or mm. it can be anything but just be true to yourself and just yeah. put stuff out that you're really, really comfortable in um, and be brave with it because there will be people out there that resonate with you that don't resonate with me or don't resonate with you. Yeah. Chris, although I find that hard to believe, obviously. But, um, <laughs> you know, Thank you. So just, just be true to yourself and just crack on with it. Get stuck in. Best yeah. way. It's completely true. You just need to be yourself on social media. It's the only way that you're really going to attract the customers that, that you want. I've got brokers that like like Roger that want to crack a joke and he knows that it will be well received on social because those people are already following him. Um, yeah. But then I've got other companies that don't really want to show their face. They just want to build the actual brand name. Yeah. So it's, it's each to their own. They'll all have very different clients, but they're all very successful. It's yeah. not one size fits all, is it, when it comes to no, social media? When that client places. sits in front of you, when that client is there, like you say, they've got to have that same feel like, I'll be all right, mate, how's it going? And this, that, and the other. And did you know I look like Santa Claus and all that? And we'll have that conversation because then, you know, they'll either go, yeah, I did. I saw you on social media. And we just have that. We're like, they know a little bit of what I'm going to be like before yeah. they've even started. And it's so important because anybody that says they don't, is a liar everybody has a bit of fear before they meet anybody new or do anything they just do you always have a little bit of fear or excitement or whatever um, yeah and you know it just softens that and that's all you need to do and 
social media per se within so within financial services or whatever is about softening your brand that's what it's all about definitely so the more engaged they are with it the more comfortable they feel the better it's going to be for everyone and if you get no clients from it still doesn't matter because you're out there putting yourself out there and you're something to be proud about but you will you'll get 25 percent in 18 months that's that's your fact there that's that's the dave dave corbett fact of the podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a perfect story of this and i mention this quite a lot when i'm speaking to people <clears throat> yeah is um, a guy called Ben Moore, who is, he's called the one with the beard, um, and he runs an estate agency of his own in, um, in the field. So what he does is he just talks about himself on social, he's very personal, he's always his face, he brings his children into it, and it's a very personal brand. And he tells me this story that he went to evaluation from this lady, um, introduced himself, went into the house, sat down and there was his coffee there. I think it was milk with one sugar and his favorite chocolate bar next to it. And he kind of went, well, how did you know that? He said, I followed you on social media for six months. I know everything about you. Not, not in you know, a creepy yeah. way. <laughs> this, which reminds me, we've got to have a little chat because then um, what's, what's Usher all about? I'm just, I'm testing out your musical. <laughs> what's going on? That, you saw my LinkedIn post earlier. Really? <laughs> what is I love a bit of, Usher and Chris Brown. Yeah, that was uh, it. Was when I worked um, when I worked in a golf shop when I was fifteen through to through to twenty four. It was, it was, um, it was like the Usher albums. It was Chris Brown. Uh, so it was all the R and B music, and yeah. that's all I all I listened to. And then now, so sorry, what Dave's referring to is I put up a LinkedIn post this morning about asking people if they listen to music while they're working or these kind of focus beats that you can get the binaural beats, I think they're called. Um, and I mentioned on there that I tend to listen to a lot of Usher and, and 90s, 2000s R and B. And Dave's shaking his head at me for people that aren't watching this on the video. <laughs> Well, mate, the reason I look so old is I was a raver in the 90s. So, um, mate, I, you, could take me, you could take me to town for the rave tunes that I like. Piano did you do all the Did you do all the proper, the rave culture and no, visit all? No, I've gone a bit more commercial. So I was your kind of cream in Liverpool and your back to basics in Leeds and all that stuff where you'll have people, if they'll listen to this and if you know, you know, kind of thing. You know, right. You know, <laughs> that will never um, happen again, will it? I don't even think we'll be in groups again. of 10, no. let alone 300. Yeah. The underground rave scene will kick off, you know, which is fantastic as long as they don't kill everybody. But, um, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> in so, the middle of a forest somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not advocating <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, so that was my my background was uh, rave tunes. But I'm, I'm getting the wife into it as well. She started because she was had five CDs for the whole of her life when I met her. <laughs> and I think four of them were Morrissey and one was Johnny Marr. So now she's doing a um, bit of dance music. Her favourite band now is Underworld. So I've done it. You've done Come on then. What's your favourite song of all time? Oh, mate, no, you're kidding me. So there's a, a track um, called Breezer by Junkie XL and Sasha, the DJ Sasha, which um, is amazing. The only part of that I understood was Sasha. <laughs> the rest of it was just all gobbledygook. <laughs> it's the best dance track ever. It I'll have a little amazing. listen to that. I'll have a little yeah, listen to that. <laughs> Sorry, we're completely going off on a tangent. Well, yeah, mate, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sir. So social media, obviously I love it. I think it's one of the best things that's ever happened. But if a parent came up to you today and said, right, social media, it's the root of all evil. I need to keep my children off it. What would your response to be to that? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, I'd say fair enough, you know, because it does have a lot of negative sides. Mm -hmm. um, my wife's not a huge fan of social media, you know. Isn't she? Um, no, not at all. And it's just... 
you know, she, um, she, she's a, um, she had cancer five years ago and mental health problems as a result because of PTSD in my view and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, she's, you know, getting through it now. It's five years now. We still have stuff, but it's fine. Um, hence why I'm so passionate about protection, by the way. But, um, okay, yeah. you know, we went through a lot, chemo, radio and everything. I mean, she did, I didn't, but it was tough, bloody hard. Um, and I think with mental health and social media, it's kind of, I get it. I get that there's a load of, you know, it can be yeah. good or bad. For me, good outweighs, but there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there. It just, you know, what does Mike Tyson say? He says um, social media is full of full of people saying stuff that would never say to your face. You know, it's just it, very good uh, point. Yeah, it's funny you know, actually. I was listening to um, Mike Tyson's um, interview with Joe Rogan before this. Actually, it was quite an interesting one, a podcast. Yeah. But it's it's like you say, it's keyboard warriors. That's what they're called, aren't they? And yeah, we'll outsource it and then you don't have to deal with it because Chris will deal with it, you know, and, then, <laughs> you know, you and, and deal with all the comments. And I mean, we had one firm who did a paid advertising, so they did a paid job on Facebook and for live cover, whatever it was, and they were putting it out there. And I said to them, be careful because you put it out to a wide audience here, mm. you know, and they got a load of abuse back, you know, and loads did they? Of who the F are you and leave me alone and how did you get on? So you've got to be careful with it. Um, I would say to the lady, fine, you know, let your children make their own decisions when they're old enough. But I respect your point of view because it's not for everybody. Not for it, yeah. And you talking about those negative comments coming in, especially on paid advertising. I'm, I'm not going to go into paid advertisements on this podcast because it's something that I don't personally do. So I can't really give any insight into it. I'm not a big fan. Not a huge. Well, this is the thing with paid advertising. The way that I explain it is you're putting your content out there and people that don't like you are going to see it. Whereas what I tend to do when I work with people, and I know Dave's a big fan of this, is let's build an audience organically. Let's build an audience that actually want to learn about you, learn about your company and almost become, I used to love a book called Raving Fans, become a raving fan of your company because Social media is a great way that you can spread that word of mouth. So it's all about building an organic audience rather than going out there. And if you're getting leads off an advert, that's absolutely fantastic. But have they bought into you as a company or have they just seen an advert and thought I could do with a remortgage? It's very rare that that would happen. I know you can, Dave nodding his head again. I think he's in agreement with me on that one. Mm, totally. Totally agree, you know. Um, I was going to say something else, then it's gone. Uh, no, gone. 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 He'll gone. come back to you. He'll come back to you. Yeah. So you say, so you say to the parents, look, it's completely up to you. In, in my eyes, I think social media is a, is a huge benefit to the younger age because, and this comes from one of my kind of like idols on social media, is Gary V, who I've spoken about yeah. before. Is He had parents that have come up and said the same to him. And he says, well, your little boy, Johnny, at school, he is really into Pokemon, say. But nobody in his class is into Pokemon, so he can't be passionate about it, and he can't talk to those people. But when he gets home, if social media is used right, and I can completely appreciate from the mental health aspect, is if it's done right, he can connect with people that have the same interests as him. Yeah. Ten years ago, that would have been impossible. He would have had to yeah. go home and think, I'm different. I like Pokemon, but... Nobody in school likes it, so I must be an outcast. Whereas what he can do is connect with fly on the edge. <laughs> it, you, you, it's a big landing can, pad, isn't it? <laughs> it's 
For people that uh, can't see the video, Dave, uh, Dave had a fly land right on his head in the middle of a Zoom call. <laughs> um, but he can go and, that, that little lad can go and connect with people that have the same interests as him. And I think that's, a, that's so powerful in this yeah. age, but it needs to be governed a lot more so, definitely. Totally, totally agree. So let's move on to a bit of strategy because there might be people out there that are just starting out in the, in the mortgage world. So where do you live in the, at the moment? Don't give us your full address, obviously, Dave, but <laughs> <laughs> roughly. <laughs> and your PIN number um, as well. <laughs> between Bristol and Bath, so southwest. Okay, southwest. So say if you up sticks and moved and you moved to the north of Scotland and you had a yeah. laptop, a mobile phone and an internet connection, what steps would you do to start a mortgage business? What would you do to start getting clients? I would walk to the nearest mortgage brokerage and find the biggest, best mentor that I could possibly find. You're big on mentors on. then, aren't you? Oh, you just, you, look, there's a, people don't know what they don't know in the mortgage world. And the knowledge that, I mean, your CMAP certificates is basically not overly practical in my view towards the job itself. Mm. It's, it's a good footing, you know, learning about national insurance, whatever else you learn on those things. Um, but once you're in the real world and you're looking at lenders and uh, lender criteria, all this, kind of, you can only learn that on the job. So go and ask, find somebody who knows what they're doing and ask a thousand questions until you know what you're doing yourself. That's what I'd recommend. And until you've got to that point, don't start out on your own and move to Scotland with just a laptop because you've, <laughs> you've, you've got to learn, you've got to know your stuff. It's hard enough trying to find the clients without learning the job at the same time. Well, that's a really interesting answer, actually. I never, never even thought about that. I never thought a mentor is something that you'd start off with. That's really well, interesting. Best brokers have, have got a mentor. And, it, you know, there was a firm called um, City Financial in London where they would give you 10 interviews. And on the 11th interview, they'd say, by the way, this is self-employed and you've got no clients and here's the yellow pages. And it really? was in well. Centre Point in London and away you went. And some of the best brokers that are in the industry now started there and had mentors and built up and learned how to sell the hard way. Um, and um, a chap called uh, Oliver Whitehead was there, who's part of the Primus Network, he's a okay. lovely guy. You know, and, and you know, you've got to learn the hard way sometimes, but a mentor can just do all the, all the business related commercial stuff that no one, you can't learn it. You can, well, you can learn it obviously, but you can't learn it yourself. You've got to learn it from somebody else. You need you that day to day in there. And I think, this is completely different, but I always, I'm a huge fan of apprenticeships because yeah. it's exact, I suppose it's exactly the same, isn't it? You're learning on the job, but you're going to get paid for it. So say if you're 12 months down the line, you've got this knowledge, um, what would you do? Where would you find clients? Where would you go? Okay. So once I've got that knowledge and I've said thanks to my mentor and I've gone and now I'm setting up on my own, I would say, right. Um, what do I need? So I need client source. So I'd start the social media stuff day one, mm -hmm. but I'd know I wasn't going to get a return off it day month three. I'd wait and know I'm building that long term. I would then go and family and friends is the next thing because um, one of my colleagues said to me very early doors when I started Primus, when I wasn't that au fait with the kind of protection side as much as and how important it is, even though I had cover myself and my wife and we had a payout and all that stuff. So I know mm -hmm. the important thing. Um, so she said, look, when, when, you're, um, uh, when you start out, imagine having that conversation with your family and friends that you go to visit them in hospital and they said, well, could you have helped me? You know, and that was really powerful because I went, Christ, you know, that's quite big. So yeah. family and friends and that circle, referrals from there, and then you go to the introducer market. 
when you get two or three quality introducers, long-term, professional, where there's trust and you work that. Once you've got all that ticking along, then you're away and you just refer, ask for referrals, ask for more business and then maximize the opportunity within that group. Easy as that. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Millionaire. Millionaire. <laughs> this time that's next that. year, Rodney. Well, there's process in there. You know, I know it's, I've just garbled all that out to you, but there is process because you kind of brokers call me every day and say, Dave, what's next? And I'll say, right, you're in introducer world at the moment. You're getting told to bugger off out an estate agent, but that's fine. I get that to try an accountant. And this is how they tick and try a solicitor. This is what presses their buttons. It's all about reciprocation of business versus an estate agent when it's all about that, you know, and talk about I mean, all these things. And then in a state agency world, I'll say, this is what you, their broker in there is doing now that's not very good. So this is how you get better. This is how you talk about their existing client bank and their remos and protection and wills and GI and everything else in their, um, their lettings book. And that's how you do it. And just to give them that, increased professionalism and integrity when they go into those kind of scenarios and it is it's like you say the estate agents are solicitors accountants you've got to think those people know people so it's not yeah. just the especially as an estate agent because i was an estate agent for six years i in i was uh, part of countrywide it was driven into us that we needed to get first appointments in for diary that that was that was yeah. the game so yeah. it, it became second nature so when i went to an independent company when i worked closely with kate it was second nature that's what you did um yeah. but it's not just the initial introduction of it it's then the introduction from those people that have seen yeah. you and the web just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and that's yeah. that's where you start you need to be very professional and i believe that the most lucrative thing as a mortgage broker is to have a very good relationship with a very good estate agent yeah you've got to make sure the estate agent's a good one because mm -hmm. if they're not it's going to tarnish your reputation yeah agreed if you can't get say if you've done everything can get the mortgage application through and do everything you can it's ready to exchange but the um, estate agents haven't chased up the solicitors mm. you get tarnished with the same brush Oh, totally. So think about this as a skill. So you're a new mortgage broker, you've had your mentor and you've gone to set up in Scotland and you're doing your own thing and you go into an estate agent and you strike up that introducer agreement and then it doesn't work. So you've started out as a mortgage broker because you might just enjoy your own company. You don't want to do your own thing and speak to clients and be a bit techie. And then suddenly you realise that to make that estate agency work, you've got to be in there Monday morning, eight o'clock, saying to seven or eight negotiators, why don't I know about that mortgage? Why don't I know about that property? Why haven't we done this? Did you do his last mortgage? All this stuff, you know? Yeah. And that, right, I mean, that's full on, but you've got to do it, you know? And that, that's, that's not knowing what you don't know, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And you, you'd have to spend... I think it'd be really good, and I always said this when I worked for Countrywide, is you should have a week being a mortgage broker or shadowing one, and the mortgage broker should have a week shadowing an estate agent. Yeah. And the synergy then of understanding what happens exactly the same with a solicitor going as a mortgage broker, go and spend a week with a solicitor and vice versa. So you yeah. can understand the processes. Yeah, of course and, you can. It's just different pressures, isn't it? You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what you do. And then you build your business from there that's and then it. carry and then on. It's your word of mouth. Of just yeah. got to keep on top of it. And then the next thing not to do is grow too quickly and decide to build an empire. If it's not what you want to do, if you don't want to build an empire, don't. Just stick to doing what you're doing. Unless you're earning over 200 grand as a broker, you don't need anybody else. 
So you'd no yeah. point getting someone in to do 100 of it and you do 100 of it. Write 200 grand and, and do the business yourself, you know. Um, that's, that would be my advice. Awesome. Right. Is your, oh, your mic just came back on. It was like a bit, Sorry. it dipped out a bit then. I think it'd be really interesting, somebody starting out as a mortgage broker, to document the whole thing. You imagine from that first day to say, right, I've got this person as my mentor. This is the person I'm going to be going to be following. And mm. this is my journey. Well, yeah. we, by the t- time the 12 months comes around, if you're in and about and you're on social media in that local area, they're going to know your face. Mm. They're going to have invested in your journey for 12 months. What would your tip be? Because a lot of people are thinking about this is if I move to so-and-so and I approach a mortgage broker in that town, are they going to be a bit standoffish teaching me everything if I'm then going to launch in that town and try and take some of their business? Yeah, it's a balancing act. I mean, um, the, the best brokers will share. Okay. And I've always said this, and it's, it, again, it's part of the DNA of Primus, that the best brokers will pick up the phone to anybody and want to help most, most people and want to help them. Mm-hmm. So um i'm not saying i'm the best recruiter in the industry but if someone wants to phone me and say how do i do that i'm going to help them you know you're going to help people the best brokers in primus will assist you know and um, that sharing community within our very competitive brokers that they are they still share and i've driven um uh, adam wilson i've driven but met met him down in um at first extra and uh, which is a massive firm down in newbury a brilliant firm run by a brilliant guy called chris hall um and they've shared information and we spent two hours in there discussing process and how best to do stuff and how to scale. And then Tom, uh, Adam's gone back down to his dad, Tom in, in Bushy and uh, Hertfordshire and cracked on and that relationship's there. I mean, these are, these competitors, they're going after the same. Yeah. Going after the same business and going after the same business and they've just talked it through and they talked about new build, whether that's the way the deal that you should do with an estate agent to get the best out of it how to manage staff, how to bring trainees through, and all this stuff that was in Chris's kind of model. Mm-hmm. Adam's eyes were like this, you know, he's like, and I'm sitting there going, this, but you could pay for that kind of advice. You know? <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? If you so could package that up and pay it. That's how mentorship works, and, and the best brokers will share. Yeah, get a, get a decent mentor then. That's, yeah. no, that's really, really interesting for me to see how you would start a business and it all does yeah. it all does make sense it's really yeah. um really good information for people that are starting out in that world yeah. this so, all all right today we're doing all right yeah we're all good we're all good <laughs> so before before i kind of wrap things up yes mate. um i asked you before the podcast for a charity that's close to your heart because my yes. plan moving forward is every guest that i have on i'll donate 10 pound to a charity of your choice so yes. which charity so, um, would it be mcmillan uh, cancer support are just um, amazing. We we had kind of light touch with them when my wife was poorly, mm-hmm. and um, they are exceptional people. So that's my charity. Awesome. I'll second that. Fantastic charity. So I'll get that donated. Thank you, mate. Well, Dave, all there is for left for me to say is thanks very much for being on the podcast. I know. Yeah. No Dave, you're quite a shy person, so to have you talk <laughs> for the last kind of 45 minutes, it's, it's been a big ask. <laughs> but I'm privileged to have you on, on here, Dave, and um, I oh, hope mate, everybody's found it useful. It. Thank you, mate. And if anyone wants to get in contact with me directly from any walk of life, just give us a bell. Yeah, where can they get you? Um, LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn, email? Best, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn and go through, and then um, my contact details are all over LinkedIn, so you can contact me wherever you want to. Awesome, perfect. Well, thank you very much, Dave, and thanks no for being on the podcast. All right, pal. Thanks for the invite. 
So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.